Welcome to season four of the Founders Series, where we sit down with leaders that help helping shape a better world. We'll explore what drives these positive disruptors and how their personal journeys have helped shape their purpose-led businesses. My name is Kieran, and I'm a social ventures lawyer from Taylor Vintage, the global legal and advisory practice that works with innovative and entrepreneurial clients to help them shape a better world for greater impact today and tomorrow. Um, in episode one of season four, my colleague Jeff Dragon interviewed Deirdre O'Neill about her motivation for setting up fertility health what um, the science behind the business and the, the, how the company's emp empowering women to make life-defining and personal choices. If you missed Jeff's interview, which is really good, by the way, you can catch up on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Returning to tonight's event, I'm pleased to be in Oxford at Raw HQ, interviewing Rick Moa, MD of Raw. So Rick's going to talk a bit more about Raw later, but for my, my part of the instructions, Raw is a fast-growing social business in Oxford which makes high quality furniture and delivers class leading commercial services, all driven by a desire to generate life-changing social impacts and sustainability outcomes. So we're gonna spend roughly 30 to 40 minutes today talking with Rick about his background and what drives him, how Raw balances profit and purpose, and why Oxford is a hub for social entrepreneurship. So yeah, before we ask Rick some quick, some quick fire questions, I thought we might start with a drink, if that's all right. Before this webinar, we kind of did a bit of a call to arms on social media for some businesses in Oxford that you know, creates something delicious that also has a social purpose. So lots of people recommended Tap Social. So I've got a nice pint of criminally good lager here from Tap Social. And Rick's, Rick's not a drinker, but he's got Evian here. So got Evian here because um, even though they just make bottles and not water, they're now vehicle. So it's just good to see bigger corporations really start taking that seriously. Definitely. Love that. I thought it'd be fun to ask Rick, um, if you have a drink with any historical figure, who would you choose? Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Okay, nice. Yeah, okay. Because he's just great. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, that persona and just spend some yeah. time with that great person. I think it'd be fantastic. Well, um, I don't know if my dad's watching this, the Queen is his favourite band, so I'm sure he'll he'll exactly the same <laughs> answer in that one. So. You might choose in the right law firm. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe we should get some Queen Queen music from the backtrack, but it's <laughs> you. So, um, so the next thing we're going to ask you is what's something you saw recently that made you laugh or smile? I, th I think it was um, probably my eight-year-old son really cunningly blagging my wife into <laughs> giving him something, um, and a really structured, coherent argument, which was hilarious, yeah. which could be, so it was, it was funny. Come do some work experience with us. Yeah, So next question is, if you only have one app on your phone, what would you choose and why? Apps are... Apps <laughs> Probably, probably Gmail. Gmail, yeah. because because you know, for me that's not great from Yahoo. So you know, yeah, for me, that's custom edge stuff. That's yeah, it's probably Gmail. Pretty definitely. I thought Gmail. it might be the torchlight because a minute ago we we're trying to get set up for the interview and we um, need a bit more light, so we nearly had this torchlight on. Yeah. But um, innovate, that's innovate exactly. So, um, what's the most daring or risky thing you've done, Rick? The most daring risky thing I've done is probably get well. I had a uh, various things going on, which um, mm. I probably was. Um, medicating myself with substances i've kind of got to the point where i just had to get well yeah and, and that was pretty scary mm. you here now that's amazing that's yeah, amazing. yeah that's best thing it is yeah yeah good stuff kind of linked what is your what's your guilty pleasure um it's ice cream Ice cream. Okay. It's ice cream, and I'm really annoyed they brought out low-fat ice creams now. Oh, really? So it's taken some of the edge off the kind of that's really gnarly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could go for dudes ice cream, don't you have that? It's carbon yeah. neutral. So maybe that offsets yeah. the, the guilt yeah, of that, not, maybe. Yeah. Like, but I do need a bit of guilt. Do yeah. Like guilt. Sounds good. Um, okay, Rick, how do you keep motivated? You were talking about the gym earlier. Is that is that one of the reasons? Yeah, yeah. So you say gym and, and just, you know, I, I work here. 
brilliant that sounds really good and we get get stuck into a bit more later yeah. so um the final quick fire question people at home and rick they've seen recently prince charles recently announced that his aston martin runs on cheese and wine by byproducts so i mean you know rick if you could choose any you know any byproducts run your your car even your aston martin if you're lucky to aston martin what would you what one, of my, one of my aston martins um <laughs> i'd probably choose you know coca-cola because it's mm. just so yeah yeah and just suck all the coca-cola out of the world put it in petrol pumps and just burn it away in, yeah. in a carbon neutral way it's pretty pretty useful recently with the fuel crisis yeah exactly so, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks for that. And now I hope you all know Rick a bit better. But we're now going to delve a bit more deeper into to Rick's background. Get deeper than that. Get deeper. Yeah, always always get deeper on the founder series. Yeah, you had a, you gave me a tour today around the war, war workshop, and it's clear you're really driven to make make a social difference. Can you kind of pinpoint a point in your life where you thought oh, I need to make a social difference? Was it at school? Was it family members? Was it like a mentor that kind of motivated you to kind of go down that path, or was it um, something else? I think for me in my journey, <clears throat> some of the people around at a time when I wasn't particularly well and, and got well. So mm-hmm. the ones who, who stayed well and still and are still going today are the ones who found really positive things to do mm-hmm. after recovery. So yeah. work and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that for me was kind of really big, a big driver for me. And also to to show by doing it, a lot of people are prejudiced against people because mm-hmm. of a status they've had, but ex-offender, yeah. addict, mm-hmm. homelessness. And it's just not true. Everyone's yeah. got massive potential. Definitely. That's why we, yeah, I saw some of that today when we had a, a tour and war, war workshop. So I'd quite like to take you, take you back, maybe when you were in school, I don't know if, <laughs> if you can remember back to that, that point in time. Uh, <laughs> what, what were your kind of career goals at that point in your life? Were you kind of pushed down a certain path or were you kind Yeah, of... for sure, for sure. I, I was very much kind of a, a Thatcherite, kind mm. of a child of Thatcher where it's all about, you know, red Porsches yeah. and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of the, the goal that was kind of set. And then because my, my dad hadn't had a particularly great upbringing, he was very mm. conscious about going to university and becoming yeah. a professional and becoming an accountant and stuff. Mm. So... I was kind of driven more to having sort of a, a standard job without really ever mm-hmm. thinking about or anybody asking me, why would you like to do that? Yeah, I think that's a big thing, isn't it? Some people kind of get, you go on a certain path, don't you? You kind of move down that route when you might take a step back and think, what's actually driving me to do that? And I guess you can see that now in, in Raw, can't you? you? Kind of see what you're doing and you, know, yeah. you come to work every day and it, it gives you gives you something, whatever that is. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, even, even on bad days, you know, you, you're doing something that's more than just someone else's career path for you. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that struck me about RAW is you know, the RAW potential, which, you, which you've got as one of the kind of side mm. side projects that you, you run through the RAW mm. umbrella family, if you can say that. I'm quite interested like, if you, you know, what, what can we do to make pe- younger people sort of really interested in being a social entrepreneur? Is there, is there something you can teach or is it something just innate in, the, in, in people? I think, I think it's kind of too far. I think, I think we're all kind of quite curious mammals. Mm. So there's that. And I think there's also, and it's changing fast, but, but social business used to be social. Yeah actually this is business yeah so if we can prove and show and young people go you know what shall i go into banking or mm. law or something like that or is there another thing that i can have all those things that mm. i want to have and not yeah. sacrifice those things mm. and i think that's the most the most powerful thing show that, that the future of business is mm. socially driven yeah definitely. and that becomes quite exciting so yeah. it'd be pioneers mm. not just going somewhere else and you see more and more people kind of pivot from those kind of traditional careers wanting to have some sort of impact whether that's through what their professional skills they've got at the moment or kind yeah. of a complete change yeah i'd say probably 80 percent of our staff haven't worked in social business before yeah so they've all switched got massive skills mm. but actually that y factor and deploying yeah. those skills to create change that's really powerful powerful yeah and that motivates people to do a good job as well i, I think sure. as well you're yeah. boiling it down to it as well yeah. you kind of talked about your career path and where, you, where you're going i kind of did a bit of a, a linkedin store before we, we oh. had this interview and you, you had a background in advertising. Do you want to tell us a bit more about sort of how you got into that and 
I was I was in the south of France okay. with yeah. the family on holiday, yeah. and um, I think it was the older brother or elder sister had a, had a friend who turned up, and he was a bloke, and he drove a convertible BMW, which was red, and he worked advertising. Yeah. And I thought I'll have some of that, mm. and I went down that rabbit hole and, and brand marketing stuff and stuff yourself for that. Yeah, yeah. So again, completely not driven by any particular want or desire. Do you think it's a generational thing? Do you think more people nowadays are kind of thinking, I want a bit more than just the the nice car I kind of want to make a difference as well yeah <clears throat> for sure I mean I think the society's changed generally so you know obviously I'm, I'm a lot older than me mm-hmm. and I think so back then so you know my, my father was said anybody involved in doing good uh, bloody social work mm-hmm. and I think that's that's changed quite a lot yeah now. so people are more aware of, of how you can you can mm-hmm. make a difference should make exactly difference. yeah I'm quite interested in like the point you're kind of in between working advertising and being mm-hmm. a social entrepreneur what's the kind of things you think you can learn each side can learn from each other yeah can, can social entrepreneurship learn things advertising and can advertising business really be a social business advertising is all about and brand marketing all that kind of stuff it's all about creative solutions to business yeah. problems i mean big corporate companies with billions of pounds mm-hmm. go to small organizations with creative people in them because yeah. that's a real asset mm-hmm. and i think the more business generally but especially social business to think creatively mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean workshops. No. I mean just think about what mm. you could do. Yeah, because you can read anything else. So I think that's a massive learning, a creative department in a advertising agency, mm. creative agency will teach a lot. Yeah, to any type of business. And can advertising agency be social businesses? No, mm. probably not. I mean, okay. it's I because they're driven by driving sales for clients. Mm. So there's there's not as much leeway in it. Um, but they can, and they are doing a lot more stuff around getting younger people mm. into creative industries. Yes, and I think that's really valuable. Mm. But the other thing I think is really valuable that advertising agencies are kind of quite social already because they are trying to fire creativity in people, yeah. which we all have. Yeah. You know, whether you can, you know, read or write, or whether you can from a different country, or whether you're a refugee, or there's a creativity, mm. and, yeah. and those are great advances for mm. reading that. I guess as well, the important thing is that you need to be an authentic social business, don't you? You can't just kind of greenwash thinking we're having a difference when actually you're not. You need to back it up, don't you? For so sure. That's otherwise, for sure. I mean, and that's a, the social business conundrum, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you can say, oh, we're a social business, we make fences to the fence mm. down. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. You won't get much more social business mm-hmm. And so in the same creativity, it has to be well structured and it's mm-hmm. part of big systems. Yeah. I think a bit earlier before this chat, we we're kind of talking about you being you know, living in London and working advertising. Yeah. Was there a moment when you were there and thought, I need change, I need to be a social I need to come are you from Oxford originally yeah. to come back to Oxford yeah. and kind of work with Raw? Yeah, no, uh, so yeah, so London for me was was kind of the end of the line. It was mm-hmm. quite it was quite terrifying, quite dark for me. So mm-hmm. it's not somewhere. I wanted to be no. home's always been Oxford, and Oxford's yeah. always been this kind yeah. of quite crazy place for me. Mm. So it was the most natural thing for me to yeah. do. As well, Oxford, as we'll delve into a bit later, Oxford's got a natural kind of, well, from my perspective, anyway, quite affinity with social entrepreneurship as well. So yeah. kind of nice yeah. marry, isn't it? We're talking about Raw now, it's the main for the main focus today and the main, main yeah. reason why we're here talking. So um was there oh, was okay. there, <laughs> okay. as far as you, like, so we want to hear about your background advertising, <laughs> but raw is the thing that really interests us. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit more about Raw generally and what attracted you to work with the organization or so we, these organizations? Yeah, so we founded it about four and a half years ago. Yeah. We took over um an old an older charity that was kind of fading with, mm. with a workshop in, in the big space. And we just had this real drive to move away from the charity model. So the charity mm. model is, is really valuable in lots of ways, but the funding for it is is variable. Yeah. And also I don't always think people coming to a charity is the right relationship with, with the person who's trying mm. to get out. So yeah. we just we just went, why is it that people are making stuff important from China? So we started looking at our furniture ranges and sort of recycling services. And, and we just build in the fact that you know we create chief people who are remarkable. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what you want. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and that's it. And that's it. And, and, and for me, it's always been about Dubai show, you know. This, yeah. You know, I fairly literate, went to nice schools, mm. which advertising, I, I can work at PowerPoint like anything. Yeah. 
but actually and whatever i say people say yeah we absolutely we mm. agree life's changed and i'm clapping them through doing funny stuff but actually the point is when people buy our furniture or they yeah. get our services they go oh, that's really cracking and mm. if they find out it's made by somebody who they perhaps perceive couldn't mm. or that service by somebody who might have had a very different life to them yeah that's how we change perceptions changing hearts and minds as well. hearts and mind. yeah. it's just a fact yeah. i think a big thing for a social business is how you kind of marry up the ability to make profit because at the end of the day you, you need to make profit don't you because you need to keep going you yeah. need to invest it back into your purpose but how do you kind of balance that is there kind of when you take a decision as the md of raw do mm. you kind of what's more more in your mind if does it kind of depend on the situation or no it? it's, it's not really because the more the more revenue generate, the more work we're creating mm. and the more opportunity we're creating and the more sustainable outcomes we're creating yeah. it's just hard riding to business mm. you know if we can make 10 metering tables yeah that's 10 times more work mm. and as we grow we can employ more people and give them more opportunities mm. in, in our kind of culture to, to grow and develop so mm. no we, we you know i just think we, we're a bit like you know behaving like a business should be really. yeah and and with yeah we've got no shame about making money because we mm. want to make money why shouldn't, yeah. why shouldn't we but the fact is we perhaps put it to different places yeah so support the kids now exactly yeah. to have more impact isn't it so yeah. talking about impact i think i read a new website i think 75 percent of the rural workforce mm. Has fought and won against the odds. Really, really impressive stat. Is it really important to you that you kind of shout about this achievement, or are you kind of conscious not to give the impression, as we talked about earlier, of raw being a charity and you know, giving yeah. these jobs to people because these job rather than because they're innate skill set to yeah. do that job? What do you think about that? Do you think does that come into your mind at all? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. It's always it's always in my mind. Mm. We're, we're not. We've got a great workforce. Yeah. In fact, my workforce is more resilient, more tenacious, more mm. creative, tougher, more loyal because of life experiences they've had mm. you know and if you can capture that it's brilliant so no we never you know the whole thing about you know there was you know social enterprise and we always use the frame social business deliberately mm. because social enterprise is great for me sometimes it's a bit great sometimes it's a bit social and actually what we want to be is competing with the big boys in big supply yeah. chains creating a real difference mm. that's that's what we want to do so yeah. we we aim to be best and also i think for people who who work for us um we've come from whatever backgrounds when you say to them oh you know you can some people might say, well, you come and get qualification. Mm. If you can say, we're going to take on the world and smash it, show people how good we can be, mm. because they think we can. That's a better place to start recovery from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going somewhere. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's, journey. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we're not one of our being worthy. Mm. Or, as, a, as a byproduct of our business, yes, we generate social mm. value. Yes, we generate sustainability outcomes and clients get that in the process. Yeah. It's not particularly mm. what drives our business. No. I was looking at a tour and the raw workshop before our, our chat today. And mm. one of the things that really jumped out to me is you, you told me that. You know, when someone comes to you, they kind of basically say what, what job they want to do. They kind of start on day one, mm. it's in their hands, they choose where they want to go, and they can sort of move later on. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's, because, it, because it's, you know, I, I know, I'm quite um, nervous type, but I mean, you know, I'm professionally not meant to be mm. sort of, you know, anxious, necessarily. I'm probably much better than I used to be, but mm. certainly when you start new jobs, I'll be terrified. Mm. And I've got all the skills, a nice middle-class boy, I can mm. you know, talk and I can educate and stuff and I'm qualified. And there will still be going to a new environment. It's scary. Yeah. Now, if you imagine you've come from an environment that's very different, you might have to leave your whole friendship groups behind or you haven't lots of reasons why you think you can't do something else. And you put it in your environment, that's even more terrifying mm. with strangers, right? So it's mammals. Right? So if you put me in a forest, I'm going to sit by a tree yeah. for a while and work out what's happening in the forest mm. before I choose a different tree or move. Yeah. And that's that's where you just try and do it. We feel comfortable. When people mm. are comfortable, then they'll choose where they go. Yeah. So the most important thing is just initially just being being comfortable. Mm. I was looking at your website before we had this interview, and one of the things that jumped out to me is this quote, I think it's from Ian Hari. It says, bees need a hive and humans need to thrive. That mm. kind of links quite nicely to what we yeah. said a minute ago. What does what does that quote mean to you and kind of how it kind of links to Raw's working culture? I think it kind of sums up a lot of things we talked about. So, you know, this mm. kind of constant drive for kids to 
get qualifications and have careers or for, for people to be certain things in life or you know to own this and own that and the social media and phones mm. and all speed 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 and actually what we've forgotten is we're just mammals yeah we're primate mm. family and, and what we need is connection and that connection doesn't happen authentically over internet and that kind of stuff mm. so what you'll find most people who've been through backgrounds like mine or some of you work for us is a sense of isolation. You're, you're, you're different. There's something you're not connected. And we need that as a group, as a mm. mammal, right? So if we can create that kind of culture where we're all together. And that does mean, you know, we, we will get things wrong and we'll squabble and fight. But actually, if it came down to it, we're stuck together. Mm. You know, and I think that's a really powerful yeah. thing that people, everyone needs. Really. Collective strength, isn't it? Yeah. As a unit. So. Yeah. 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 Another thing that would jump out to me from your website was how you reported about your social impact mm. and your environmental impact. I think these stats probably out of date now because you keep having impact every single day. I mm. think it said that You've had over 12,000 hours of social impact. You've contributed 716 tonnes of reclaimed woods, yeah. and you've contributed to a reduction of over 62,000 kilograms of CO2 emissions. So these are probably jumped way up. Yeah, so it's double that. Double yeah, that. Yeah. That was even better. So um, <laughs> is it important to you to kind of measure and report on your impact? Commercially it is, because mm. a lot of companies looking for social value yeah. want to be able to say, we've chosen this company because we're, we're doing this. And that, that's, that's something they need. For us, it's a bit more like, why wouldn't you do that? Mm. Why wouldn't you yeah. try and be better and mm. report that kind of stuff? Because it's important because it's it's really valuable to us and, and our culture as well. We want to, we want to do this stuff mm. and try and do a bit as well. So, but actually in the commercial world, you know, if you look at contracts now, some contracts twenty percent of marks on big contracts are going to social value. Mm. You know, so we have an asset in our brand that is very valuable. Yeah. So for those people listening that may be running a social business, how do you how do you go about sort of measuring that? Yeah, you know, there are various different ways. So, for example, we might measure. A traditional vehicle doing a similar miles for a similar job in terms of carbon production, in terms of more efficient vehicles. We might count certain amounts of working hours for people who might otherwise not mm. be working. Yeah. All that, all that kind mm. of stuff. That's good. It's, yeah, it's quite a challenge. I've read lots of books about impact. Yeah, and measuring it's quite quite a challenge to it's do. It's distracting, isn't it? Yeah, it's distracting. And, and yeah. everyone comes every six months and says, Oh, here's our new system, the yeah. metric and the toms and the bombs and the whatever. Do you think there's a, a place there for a government or a bigger body to say this is how you measure impact? Or do you think every single business kind of needs to do it in their own way, depending on the kind of social impact they have? I, I think because it has to be free and creative, you know, yeah. I mean there's, there's stuff you can measure in terms of carbon reduction is fairly straightforward or how much mm-hmm. electricity you're buying from renewable sources. Mm-hmm. That's but I don't, I don't think another layer of strata of defined social impact is yeah. going to help anybody. I guess it slows down the impact, doesn't it? If everyone's sitting in the room talking about how to measure it rather than yeah. actually doing it. So. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think that's also kind of kicking back against that kind of statistic-based stuff. It's important to capture it for clients who need mm-hmm. it. That's absolutely right. But fundamentally, it's why we run our business. Yeah. Why do you, why, why do you exist? Mm-hmm. We exist to do this stuff. We happen to do it through great furniture, yeah. great grounds, yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Each end. It's what I really like about Raw is how ambitious you are with your kind of social and environmental impact. Some businesses and they look at it and just focus on one and try and really do that. Is there a reason why you're trying to be so wide ranging with your social environmental impact? Is yeah, there a reason behind that. Yeah, because well, it just goes back to the thing: the, the more successful we are, the more things we do, the more impact we create. It's hard work. Mm. There's nothing we can do now that won't create more impact. Yeah, and I think also I guess some of my advertising and brand sponsors, is you know, social business tends to look at products and services. Mm. We've looked at building a brand. So our brand, our core brand, if you buy something from Rural, our grounds maintenance, whatever it is, that essence of what mm-hmm. we do is in there. Yeah. Which is a bit more like how old other brands would behave, where they go, right, so we've got this relationship and we're known for this. Authentically, we can move into this mm-hmm. market. 
authentically to move into this market, which again gives us a scope for growth. And if your advertising background might have linked to that potentially, I don't know. Is that, no, <laughs> I can't remember. No, but it's true. <laughs> it is true, isn't yeah. it? Because, because it, is, it is about where, where do you go next? Yeah. What can you do? And mm. we know it's a fast emerging market. So, yeah. Um, to have a brand that, that we're that really proud of as well. Yeah. Talking about like, you know, what can you do? Um, one of the other things you say on your website is raw simply doing what every business should. Don't mm. tell us a bit more about that and kind of. You know. Well, you know, if you look at any business, I mean, I'm not any business, that's really good. I, I think that a lot of businesses could do more. Mm. And the argument's always been, well, you know, it's bottom line and it's profit and shareholders. Actually, if you look at the world now, if you're not doing that stuff, you're going to lose bottom mm. line. You're going to start losing revenue. So now is the time to be actually looking at how you genuinely behave as a business because it will commercially support you in the future mm. and you will change lives. Yeah. The time is now. So it's quite a unique time to do it. So I don't mm. think it's been any kind of, it's not a criticism of businesses. No. I think it's just it's just it's it's really mm. great to be able to do it. The reports say you kind of people are doing this because it's a reaction to COVID. People want to be part of a community doing something bigger than themselves, or maybe it's I don't know, gen, you know Generation Z and millennials wanting this for businesses. Do you think there's a particular reason why businesses should be social businesses, or is it just they shouldn't do that because you know, it's fitting to market? They should do it because it's authentic. Yeah, I think it's I think it's, you know I, I think it's it's authentic, but also I think yeah, COVID did make people kind of go. Ooh, mm. we're actually quite vulnerable yeah we got perspective on the fact some people have gardens wow that was a life-saving mm. some people have got gardens how yeah. does that feel so you had a, mm. a, a relationship with people you didn't have as opposed to you could experience this or empathize a bit more there's this big upsurge for that i think for young people you know, young people now if you look at the, the, some, some stats around it mckinsey people have a lot of research mm. in my generation or probably for your generation because i'm so old right <laughs> you know you you know you would seek out a kind of greenpeace supporting mm. brand or you seek out people today younger people say next generation buyers they're making assumption that you are good and your choices you're making and the ethics you use are good if you don't they won't touch it's no longer a nice to have it's, mm. it's that's now my minimum requirement yeah and the same as they won't work if you want good employees in the future you've got to be doing your bit so there's a big driver there it's no it's no secret supply chains get squeezed carbon you know the environment it's a perfect time yeah. for social business you talked about kind of people working for you, attracting them. Is this when you're having interviews with people, having chats with people that are going to join the raw team? Is, yeah. that, is that quite a big thing that people talk about, kind of wanting to be part of this social impact? Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's definitely, we've seen definitely a lot of people going, you know, I want to do something more. Yeah, I want to do something more. Mm-hmm. And I've given to charity and I've done the feedbacks. And there's the volunteering side, but actually people are now seriously thinking about how can I use my skills, earn a good living and actually make a difference in yeah. my day to day. And that's really, in a competitive work, you know, it's a competitive marketplace with employees. Again, that's a USB we've got. So the job role, the salary, all that kind of stuff is kind of fairly even. Yeah. But how do you feel when you go home? Yeah, exactly. And what you can chat about on social media if you want to. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you yeah, you tell your friends. How's exactly. your, how yeah. your day work? Well, you know, I did lots of kind of operational stuff. Or, oh, yeah, one of our kids actually got into a course yeah. today and they've been in prison for four weeks. Or I mean, you know, is there something yeah. that's, you know, and that's stuff you, you reflect on, you, you remember, don't you? Those yeah. sort of impacts rather than you know, doing, doing some sort of menial task or something. Yeah. I kind of remember the actual impact you've had. Talking about impact, you've got. You know, Raw has numerous sort of prestigious and well-known customers. So I think some big ones, Oxfam, National Trust, Blenheim Palace. There's probably hundreds more. Mm. I think you, earlier you said it might be exclusive yes. here for a new, new, new client, which um, was on board it. But before we you, you know, give us that word, not exclusive, Rick, um, when you speak with customers, do they typically want to work with you because of Raw's social environmental impact? Or is it just because your products and services are so good? That's the reason why. Or was it kind of a mix between the two? Do you, have any, it, do you know what? It, it varies from... From clients, clients. So in the bigger ones now, you know, we used to do a procurement mm. pretty much by and large. Yeah. I'd say we're probably dealing half and half now procurement and brand sustainability mm. directors. 
and, and C-level execs because they're seeing strategically how this needs to feed into the business and they're feeding out procurement saying we want to buy from these people because of this, this and this. So it's definitely definitely a surge to sort of more sustainability side. Mm. Um, yeah. And people, but the, but the same tokens, we've always had this position which is like, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a compromise. We're as good as, mm. if not better. Yeah. Than your current supplier because that's given us goals to aim for mm. we don't use excuses of oh you know it's, we got work. it's not it's not good mm. enough we are going to be better than the existing people and that and that's what we try and do and the, mm. if you go okay so your price is right you can start at the right time all that kind of stuff what you give us these stats and to report back to their shareholders or whoever shareholders or, yeah or you know increasingly government contracts now mm. or local authority contracts they have got a social value market yeah You've got to earn those marks mm. and they count towards you winning the contract on that so mm. it's, it's it's a big big asset mm. Do you think that's kind of the one thing which RAW offers, which like, you, you feel like you've got competitors, I don't know, you feel like your associates have, don't have that, that you do? Do you think it's kind of that USP of having a really good product and services but also the impact as well? Yeah, absolutely. If you can buy this desk from us for £500, you buy it from someone else for £500, and ours comes with a sustainability stack mm. and it's helped someone change their life, and it's also helped fund a youth project, which one are you going to buy? Yeah. With or without your kind of social mm. value stats, yeah. it's just like, well, of course, I'm a decent human being. I would buy the one that's yeah. doing a bit more. Exactly. So, I guess as well, we've had issues of supply chain recently. And if you can buy something local from Oxford, you know where it's come from. You can get it delivered. You know, buy someone. Yeah. Who's, yeah. yeah. You know, I think they could be a good kit for the UK. You know, the acceptability of shipping stuff from China. Mm. People are going. Hang on a second. Mm. The supply chain is getting squeezed. Reliability. So actually, people are protecting their stock holdings. So you know, there's there's a lot of geopolitical, fiscal kind of things that put pressure on. Yeah. People looking for new alternatives, and that's really, I think, it's a great opportunity for the UK. Your your customers seem to be predominantly kind of Oxford based, mm. at least at least now at the start. Do you think that's because is it because raw HQ is based in Oxford? Do we think is there's something innate in Oxford businesses that want to kind of support something bigger? Or? So we've got clients now like. Greater estates, you know, mm. five billion pound company. We've got some very, very large um, house building clients. I think it's because they come discover us. We're only, you know, four and a half years old, so they discover us when they're doing stuff in Oxford, and I think yeah. we're rolling out across the country. Now. But um, we do work with some, you know, national brands, and we've just won That's our first work on two sites with Gales Bakery, Fantastic. You know, which are not Oxford. So again, that's just another example of a really good brand mm. who's trying to do the right things. Yeah, who sorts out. A different alternative to their fit out for stores and that kind of stuff you know, for their some cafe stuff so the market's definitely going that way. yeah i guess you kind of naturally your first couple of years you're quite low word is great yeah well i've got girls quite near into my road so i'm hoping that in the near future i'll be able to go and sit with some uh, some raw furniture while enjoying a nice croissant or a nice cup of coffee but... but it's just indicative isn't it it's just yeah. like okay right thank you. It's good. And, and how quickly things can change we're talking yeah. a number of you know, really quite big high names about yeah. how how we can work with them. Yeah, I'm quite interested to know how do they find out about Raw? Is this kind of based your advertising background? Are you, are you hitting the right sort of the right people that way? Or is it more just you're doing a really good job and people are hearing about it naturally and it's kind of an organic kind of growth that way? Yeah, I think I think we we've never done any kind of paid for promotion. No. Um, I think we just talk about what we do. And I and I think also in 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 that kind of whole sustainability, social value kind of sector, a lot of people you know, on the client side mix and talk and mm. see what each other are doing and stuff. So I think there's we kind of get promoted that way as well. Yeah. Um, but largely, it's, it's been sort of one-to-one relationships and just mm. growing those and finding the right people, and it's, it's been fun. So yeah, they necessarily have to shuffle loads of money into social media. I'd like to take you back to Oxford, as we are in Oxford now. I kind of enjoy being here today, and it's you know, it seems one of those cities where it seems to be quite something about social entrepreneurship in the city. There's lots of social businesses coming come out of here, and it seems to be people seem to be really plugged into it. 
what's it like to run a social business in Oxford? It's quite a broad question, but it's it's really it's really kind of energetic. I think you get a sense of energy of Oxford. Mm. Also, under reputation for the university and all that kind of stuff, which is true. But actually, in, in the universities, it's innovation. Yeah, I mean, it's like. So, for example, the, the the vaccines and stuff, that's really great. But actually behind that is a whole kind of city that is about innovation and change yeah. and then have the car factory. And, you know, things come and go. But actually, the Oxford, through through time, it's always been quite an innovative place. Mm. And also, I think Oxford attracts a lot of international talent through students mm. who stay in that kind of stuff and global companies. So there's a real mix of ideas and thinking. And I, I think it's, it's just, it, it, it likes to embrace new stuff. Yeah. You know, people think, oh, it's Oxford University and stuff, and it is, and that's great. Mm. Actually, there's quite a raggedy kind of punky edge to it, yeah. which is quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> is that originating from the university being in the town, kind of innovation ideas coming out of there, which is kind of leading into a social business? Do you think that's kind of linked to that, or is it, I is think, it other reasons? No, I, I think there's, um, it's multiple reasons. I mean, there, there are some sort of funded spin-outs from the university, which mm. are kind of socially led, but, you know, not, not all. Um but also, I mean, people kind of forget what's got an amazing music scene. It's mm. amazing. I mean, you've got Radiohead, The Falls, and, yeah. you know, and some examples, but actually artists, mm. photographers. It's kind of sometimes get a bit overlooked. Yeah. Like, oh, the University of Oxford, I know. Mm. But actually, there's a real creative, youthful vibrancy about the town that the city's always, always been. Mm. I think that, that bends into it too. And people are very creative, I think, generally. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it's a bit of a, another world exclusive earlier. I think Rick earlier mentioned that he's um was in a band once with someone from Radiohead. Is that right? Yeah, he was a, it was a it was a prep school. In prep school. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah the original Radiohead came came from Rick obviously. He, That's yeah, a, you watch him play you can see it's all I did, yeah. Yeah, from our seven. But yeah it's, it's, well, it's definitely it's, it's an exciting place to be isn't it creative people wanting to make a difference. And also the willingness to accept difference. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. The, the mm-hmm. willingness to embrace change, the willingness to embrace cultures or mm-hmm. ideas. It's a really good place. To yeah, be I also think that people seem to be really proud of being from Oxford as well. Because yeah. at, at Televins is not this is not a plug for Televins, by the way. But when we're talking about we do lots of spin outs from Oxford universities, and lots of the names have Oxford. People seem to be really affin- like a real affinity with Oxford. Any idea why that is? Do you think? Because it's just people are really proud of where they're coming from. Yeah, part of the global brand name. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there, yeah, yeah, there is that, but I think that I think genuinely that a lot of the innovation comes out is from you know they're not coming in an idea. These people are spent mm-hmm. their, you know from the right through from undergrad to postgrad to research. Yeah, you know these things are mm-hmm. and they've, and they've come from Oxford. And it's part of the heritage of where they've been mm-hmm. as well. So I think there is a real pride yeah. in, in this kind of fact. Definitely, yeah, of fun. Is that is that a big thing in your kind of branding of Rorts makes makes it an Oxford based social business? Is that really important to you, or is that just kind of um, reach you somewhere it kind of reaches you know we're, we're in black beliefs one of the most deprived areas in, in, in the UK and statistically in Europe actually one of the you know, most deprived areas and we kind of deliberately wanted to be here you know and there's some really shocking stuff like you know people who live in this area of Oxford will die something like five years on average earlier than somebody two and a half miles away that's shocking yeah right so we really wanted to be in Oxford but in part of Oxford that people mm. don't necessarily yeah. see that much of yeah yeah, yeah Oxford's our home yeah it's always good. Always good to have a home base, isn't yeah. it, to build from? It's kind of linked to that. Well, do you think there's anything more that the council or even national government can do to try and you know, encourage other businesses that encourage them to set up with a social or environmental purpose? Do you think there's anything we can do? Or is it, again, going back to you need to have that idea, you need to have that drive to, to actually set up, set up that business? I think they're doing they're doing a really good job of it. So at the moment, especially city council and county council here, there's, they're doing a big piece of work around the future of, of workforce and inclusivity and yeah. um, impact stuff. So I'm, I'm on the working group lead for procurement social value and procurement so we're trying to link together the organizations that want to buy socially and the social all that kind of stuff um the government i mentioned it before the government green paper on government contracts is saying that 
you know, how points will be up. I think it's, maybe it's um, five, 10, 15 percent of marks will be social value. The first point about their new criteria for value, buying or value, is saying it's not cost, right? So if you can demonstrate that the social value is there, yeah. the cost could potentially mm. be more expensive. So that's a fundamental change mm. about how contracts are going to be gone for. So I think they are trying to, to really kind of create the, the wider environment of, of social value and stuff. Yeah. And the fact is the future generation won't buy your stuff unless it's good. It's yeah. Simple. Like a good product to sell. Really yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, where'd you get that from? From China, really? Okay. Yeah, I think we've got a few questions in the chat actually, which we're going to go through now. We can see them as well, so you can always pick ones you don't you want to answer. No, I can't answer, see them. But, um, so the first one is from anonymous attendee. Oh no. So, <laughs> do you think you'll be able to maintain the same culture if you expand them into other, other locations? This kind of links back to the roots in Oxford and where you're going as well. Yeah. So we're we're very. I think yes, because I think the only expansion we do is, is if people from here wanted to go to somewhere new and run that, that mm. business. I, I think, yeah, you're right. It's, you lose it very quickly unless you're part of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'd be very careful about doing that because culture is mm. wonderful. But also, having said that, sorry, having said that, we've got people here now who are, you know, if you say, oh, there's an opportunity in Norfolk. Okay, there's opportunities in Norfolk. Um, <laughs> there's opportunities in Norfolk. Where are you from? Norfolk. Um, then why not? We back it. Yeah. Know, and say, right, you go, go and do it. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of links quite nicely to the next question is um, what is your vision for Raw in say five years time? Is it expansion? Is it kind of doing what you're doing now, just doing it even better? Yeah. Any thoughts? Yeah. So I, I think it, I think it's about scale. So, mm. you know, I think there are two streams. One is how do we get you know more opportunity and more impact? That's, mm. That means getting bigger. Yeah. Which is a mix of products and potentially, you know, partnerships or maybe or mm. looking at those sort of more strategic things. And then I think new products. We make stuff that goes in homes or gardens, for example. What else is there that we might want to do? So I think it's yeah. MPD and also mm. it's, it's more probably more strategic partners. Yeah. I guess anyone at home can then treat, uh, tweet raw workshop or message Rick directly if you've got any ideas where they can go. I'm sure yeah, I mean, that's already, the thing. But... You know, that's the thing is that, you know, it is also because one thing is when you, when you have a workshop on a big mm. workforce and lots of machines, it's actually one of the risks is, oh, we can do that. Oh, we do that. Yeah. Oh, we do that. Oh, we do that. Oh, we do that. So it's actually yeah. about, you know, where, where do you really hold it down? Yeah. yeah. I guess you don't want to kind of, you want to keep people innovative, don't you, and creating new ideas. But uh, yeah, I, th I think I think the next thing will be something new. Yeah, the next question is kind of going back to what you, you talked about in, in the first kind of you know introductory section. You talked about your sort of your struggle. Do you think that's influenced how you run a business? This is obviously your non attendees says if you don't mind answering this, obviously don't, but um how do you think that's influenced it if if at all? Fundamentally. Fundamentally, yeah. Fundamentally. Mm. It's fundamental, you know, whenever anybody, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily me, but anybody's been through anything, whether it's ended up in rehab or not in rehab or just a tough time if you come through that and then you get somewhere where you can take that some of that darkness to its, its mm. positivity yeah it's fundamental and also the, the fact is i i know and i know people who've turned things around so when we when we sometimes come across people who are really struggling or they've had something bad happen again and they're going going off we we know fundamentally mm. it's not it's not some course we've been on or some really? social yeah. there is actually you can get through it. not everyone will but absolutely it's 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 a real privilege. It keeps me excited. Do you feel comfortable about talking that kind of thing? Does it kind of encourage other people to talk about what they've been through as well? To be honest with you, actually, I've never really talked about it. We're not. Today. Okay. Yeah. So this is your other first time. Yeah. This is the first time. Yeah, I've come out. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, you talking to it because this is all about the person behind the business as well. And yeah. that shaped you and that shaped where yeah, it was sure. going as well. For so sure. That's no, really no, and I think during in my journey of recovery and stuff, I met some just fabulous people, fabulous people who had for reasons that are really understandable, wanted to change how they felt using a chemical. It's not a stupid thing to do no. if you've got nothing else. And some of them didn't make it. And there was, uh, mm. I have some really powerful memories of people who were just phenomenal when they were well yeah. and then didn't make it. And I think it's such a shame you lose so, so much talent. Yeah. And 
if they had something maybe like raw, it might be missing mm. the data from that bit of edge. I guess it's also about kind of being open and talking about things as well and kind of going through struggles and sharing and there's, there's people out there want to help, aren't there? Yeah. The day yeah, and... you know, in, in it's life, right? And it's there are different, different, different kind of grades of crap. Some are more crappy, some you get labeled with, some you get prison with, and some you yeah. don't. It doesn't mean that people aren't suffering in the same way or, or can't recover in the same way. Yeah. So yeah, fundamentally. I wouldn't recommend yeah. it as, a, as no. part of the career yeah. training, but yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worth that really yeah. well. Well this might actually cut link to the next questions about what achievements are you really proud of? Finding my wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about your wife. My, I'm just, just, um, I think, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's such a business. But actually, you know, there is, Rachel is just the most fundamental bit mm. sort of thing. And um, I think I think it's really important, especially if you've been through difficult stuff, to realise that, you know, you can trust people. And yeah. from that comes trust for other people and stuff. Yeah. So I think that, that's really mm-hmm. fundamental to me. You've got a support network as well, haven't you? That kind of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And someone goes, you know what? If it doesn't work out, it's all right. Go for it. You know, that's a real, that's a real privilege piece yeah. to be in that. Well, shout out as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, kind of talking about inspiring. Um, do you have any impact-focused companies that really inspire you, either locally or nationally or even globally? Impact-focused companies, mm-hmm. or purpose-driven, or so companies want to make a difference. We talked about Evian earlier. I don't know if that inspires you. No, but... no, it doesn't inspire. <laughs> no. I think I think it was more indication of like how they're scrabbling to catch up. You know, things like you know Tap Social is a great a great brand. I think any any mm-hmm. brand that comes into the area and, and wants to do things differently. I think is, is really exciting. I think there are so many brands now and businesses that are kind of really going that way. I think the ones that are kind of really appeal to me are, are you know, maybe the small cafe that starts up just a couple of people and they and they keep it true. You know, yeah. they keep, keep it really yeah, yeah. I, I love that sort of thing because yeah. you, it doesn't need to be big and corporate. No. But, you know, there, there are huge organisations that, that are doing pretty good stuff. I wouldn't say there's a real brand out there yet that's kind of no. like, oh, that's the raw. It could be the, the poster child, maybe. Oh, you <laughs> mention that. <laughs> So this is kind of linked back to you, you know, talking about you know, big companies going into purposeful and they kind of see the gap, maybe the gap in the market. You know, how do you make sure that the purpose feels genuine and it's not, you know, shallow, like shallow or... You know, do you mean how we keep authentic or how the other brands keep Yeah, well, both, actually. If that's So for us, it's we just do what we do. Yeah. We're very, very aware of not being used as big candy. You know, we learn pretty fast. A lot of people want to be associated with stuff, and that's great. And we love that. But actually, mm-hmm. we're really supplying to our business. So, you know, if you, if you want to work with you, then you're making a better choice. We're very true. And I think, you know, we can't help but be authentic. I mean, you can't. It's just what we do, right? Yes. It's hard exactly. wired. It's yeah. titanium hard wired into it. So, yeah, and we'll work with, with companies, and we love working with, with all our clients because they genuinely are making better choices. And sometimes, you know, some really good ones at the moment working with who, have very kind of old school supply chain forms, you have to get on a supply chain, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and it takes time. And they've really put people on to help us say, right, this is what you need to do and stuff. So there's a real proactive mm-hmm. side to it too. Yeah. Do you feel like you're trying to disrupt that old school movement, or do you feel like it's going that way anyway? You don't oh, know. No, it sounds, it sounds really comfortable. We, we, we love blowing the doors off stuff. Yeah. And, you know, people come along and go, how do you win that business? We're, we're the person who mm-hmm. does that business because we do this. Yeah. And, and you know what? And it sounds really trite and cocky and horrible and i'm going to say it anyway that if we can win more business off people who don't do what we do mm. we will force them to recruit more people from different backgrounds we will force them to invest in training people we'll force them mm. to, to behave better because they can't compete with us on yeah. price and quality yeah if we've got price and quality the only place they compete is changing how they behave yeah so it's not just what we all can do if we can tiny influence one company that's mm. worth a lot of money to yeah. do two percent more then i think that's a real mm. and the way to do that hit the bottom line yeah it's real chain reaction that way isn't it if you honestly you know, you know one, one domino falls and the other one yeah and the amazing how, how the conversation changes when you when you perhaps win a bit business mm. that somebody else thought was theirs well i think we'll have to call you um michael kane as well if you're blowing the blowing the bloody doors off uh, <laughs> so, right. so maybe that's a good uh, good that an old actor, exactly. it might it might be i don't know <laughs>
I'm not, I'm not that young. But <laughs> <laughs> this last question, I think we got from another anonymous, anonymous attendee, is you talked a bit earlier about your your wife and the kind of support mm. she gives you. How much support did you get externally when you're you know, getting getting more up and running? Was it was it family? Was it was it friends? Was it? No, we had a mental health charity. Oh, we interested yeah. in for, for lots of reasons. Who got us off the ground and stuff, and are still still involved. Arms then. So yeah, we we coordinated with them. But yeah, we any, any debts we have, we pay back. You know, and also if you've got a great idea and there's a gap in the market, and you can create social value mm. just go for it someone will fund you but be careful who funds you yeah quite interesting what have you got like a really cool thing you're working on the moment you want to like shout about to everyone watching at home well, yeah there's some some big stuff kicking yeah which is which is really exciting and really mainstream and um we've been working in partnership with this particular company for quite a while uh, and it's exciting stuff it's like, yeah exciting times to be part of part of all yeah, and you know, and our, our raw potential, our young persons, which we fund our young persons projects, mm. is going really well. And there's potentially some more work, some more partnership work we're going to do there with big projects. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And um, got another question coming actually from Mark. It says, it says, Rick, where's your funding come from? I guess it's a lot of it self self sustaining. You're making yeah. profit. Self sustaining. So when we took when we took over the charity before before we rebranded it, it was losing about two hundred grand a year, and we're now third year of making a surplus through our trading. So predominantly, predominantly it's trading income. We have some kind of grant funding and some mm-hmm. um, fundraising income, but we're in a good good place. Yeah. Do you think it's good to have that kind of you can call it a diverse portfolio of funding to kind of have different sources to to come from? What do you think? In five years time, we're going to focus really on one source of income and kind of really go go for that. Totally, 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 totally one one source of income. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much you know trading as a normal company. We yeah. I think some some of the sort of grant funding is it's more for youth work and project work. And some, yeah. of, some of the even when we went for sort of charitable fundraising, it was always we sort of seed funding. So it'd be to buy a vehicle to yeah. do more of a more mm. client stuff. So was, we never we moved, we never kind of went for you know churn money or operational mm. money. So we kind of we haven't got addicted to that sort of free money no. supply. Do you think if you you were to access this, this free money supply, do you think you'd would you put it into avenues which you can innovate through so you can kind of take a slight risk because it's kind of free money and kind of see if that takes off and if that does you can kind of run with that as another branch of all well not really i think i see charitable fundraising i mean mm. if we if we were if we had 30 grand or something and we said oh we're going to build an app yeah. then it doesn't work actually that's 30 grand that probably would feed a lot of kids mm. get breakfast. yeah so we're really kind of we really didn't want to be a if you want to grow a successful business we don't yeah. want to base it on charitable fundraising also, there are so many small charities mm. who do phenomenal work. Mm. I mean, properly phenomenal work. Why should we feed them the same pool as them if yeah. we stand a chance mm. to get away from us? So we've deliberately kind of avoided that. And um, so for my final question of the evening, so we're getting we're getting nearly to the it end. Sounds like you're looking forward to this one. Oh, no, not, not dodgy at all. No, <laughs> never any dodgy questions tonight. Um, so I'm really interested to know what piece of advice would you give to other business leaders who want to have a social and or environmental impact? I'd, I'd probably just say, why wouldn't you? If you've got an idea and you can run a business and, and you can use that business as a point to change lives or create some impact, honestly, there's, there's nothing like starting. No. Follow your gut instincts well. Yeah. You know, if you're asking too many questions about it and it was at the right time, it's probably not necessarily for you. Go and do it. If it makes sense, yeah. go and do it. Exactly. Yeah. something to take away from, from tonight's. Yeah, or give me a call because you know, we've got a great brand. We might you know, yeah. put our brand across it and launch it. I mean, that's the other thing. That's the other thing I think we're all as well. Is like, you know, you talk about innovation, that's mm-hmm. actually. The more we kind of move in the world, the more people, sort of two or three people in companies, quite small, great idea, great product, mm. where they struggle is you know, the back office, mm. the marketing, all that kind of stuff, the reach, the content. Yes. Actually, why shouldn't a brand like Raw partner with them, mm. give them everything we have on the infrastructure side and the contacts and help launch a business incubator? Yeah. As part of Raw. Mm. You know, so there's that's really interesting to me as well. Yeah. Being able to really kind of incubate and, and grow 
new businesses from yeah. ones that are existing and give those founders that support that actually is that stuff is distracting mm. like the hr stuff or the gas bill or the you know that kind yeah. of stuff if you take that away and give up you focus on your core focus for a year then suddenly you'll be because that's just well, was we originally turned in a really positive positive note and i'm sure i thought it was all positive which is what you like well, no that's even more positive okay, okay, yeah which is we always always up positive here the founder series so um i want to firstly thank you rick for having me today and also the the raw team for kind of showing me around and Enjoying some of the beers we brought along later. Hopefully, they can obviously not doing heavy machinery. You don't want any no, no, beer drinking with that. But um, also, I thank everyone for watching. But um, before we kind of wrap up, Rick, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything to shout about today? No, just no? just you know, the world is is, is changing fast, and get onto it. Get onto yeah, it. Get onto it. Good stuff. No, I thought you might promote your social media or something, but obviously, you don't, obviously you don't need to because people come into you anyway. Aren't they? Well, so. yeah, it's a bit gauche, isn't it? <laughs> a bit gauche. Yeah, we don't want gauche, do we? <laughs> So, um, so yes, the final episode of season four of the Founder Series, my colleague Emily Francis will be talking to James Chappell, who's a co-founder and chief innovation officer of Digital Shadows, which is a market leader in protecting businesses from digital threats. So to book, as you've done today, head over to our website and you know sign up there. But in the meantime, I just want to thank thank again to Rick. This has been a really interesting chat and I've learned a hell of a lot. And it's been really good to see, see around Raw today, which has been a uh, really inspiring trip down to Oxford that's been fantastic for me so um I want to thank you all for listening and watching and um I hope you have a good evening and you really enjoyed our chat with Rick so thank you very much thanks